Before we get straight into the podcast, I just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, D Kirby GA Star. Declan Kirby GA Star Championship Journey. It's a series of GA team children's books written by primary school teacher and GA coach Michael Egan. You can check it out in the link in the description down below, of course, as well. Follow the trials and tribulations of Declan Kirby and his team at Smith Green Gaelic Football Club, recently formed a promising GA team. The book is now available in Easton's and all good bookshops, so check it out in the description down below. And let's get straight into Welcome back to GA Fan TV. My name is Aaron. I'm delighted to be joined here today by Jason Keelan from the Loaf of Bread GA podcast today to review the football and hurl an action and run through all the big talking points and big results, of course, from the weekend's action. I suppose, first of all, Jason, how's life? How's things with you? All good, yeah. Thanks for having me on again, Aaron. Um, yeah, today's a, I suppose, for myself, a big enough day. I'm, I'm launching the first ever GA Global podcast uh, series today. So, it's going to be running from, from today, twice a week, every Monday and Thursday from now until middle of 2022 by the looks of it. So um, 60 to 70 GA clubs around the world coming on. Um, got a bit of a, a thing today with O'Neill's as well, doing an offer to do a giveaway with it as well, which is nice. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a good weekend, apart from the weather. Uh, otherwise, it's been pretty good. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah, and we'll definitely get on to that, all right, and, and discuss yeah. that a little bit later on, because I've seen anyway, like all the different clubs involved and it'll definitely be interesting to hear what kind of stories mm. maybe you heard from some of the different clubs because i know anyways like in particular in in ireland like there's a, there, like i feel like well, a lot of the clubs they always fall under the kind of same umbrella the same structure mm. but clubs abroad for for whatever reason because they're not necessarily under that same umbrella it's just they're they kind of make it work in their own unique yeah. way and sometimes it can actually be quite special like yeah definitely yeah there's um yeah whenever you want to chat about there is some pretty uh some pretty strange stories and as you said the structure yeah is a little bit different in some parts of the world which i've well i've learned over the last uh couple of months doing this as well so 100 percent, yeah well i suppose we'll, we'll crack into some of the games i suppose we'll, we'll yeah. start with hurling i suppose because that was really i don't know about you but that was really where i think all the excitement came i don't think football has really got that kick necessarily yet it hasn't really kicked into gear yet but i suppose for the hurling action this weekend i mean it was something else i mean there was just there was so much action so much talking points all together across the four games and the john mcdonough cup games as well yeah there was definitely um i suppose everyone everyone is talking about james owens today and uh the famous penalty that you know as i saw on twitter last night it, it technically by distance happened closer to the ennis road than it did to the goals uh, which i thought was such a such an unusual one i i just i don't get it um i know brian lohan was so upset and angry after the game you could tell it in kind of the way he said it there was probably if you took the camera off me probably went you know putting fist through walls and everything it was just it was a kind of a shocking decision I know when I was looking at it very quickly I thought I thought the foul was more kind of guy lost his feet and took him out of it but it was you can see it now it was very deliberate but at the same time to give a to give it as a goal scoring opportunity I think it's just it's mental, as some lads are saying online. You know, the next step now is bringing in is bringing in VAR into the game, and that will just you know, the rules just. I know Brian Lowen said he didn't offend against the rule, but at the same time, it's been implemented in very strange ways. Like you have a penalty for that, which is I don't know how many yards away from the goal, and then there were other incidents over the games yesterday and Saturday where there were there was very little given, even though it might have been 26, 27 yards out. Like it's. It is the talking point of the weekend. Sadly, it's kind of overshadowed some of the other, you know, great things that happened as well. But 
it has to be kind of talked about like it's it's absolutely ridiculous in many ways yeah 100 percent. like it was um it was a horrendous decision in many ways like and i think it it was definitely one decision that definitely shocked everyone when they seen it because like uh, again like what you said like it, that image obviously that was going around on twitter where everyone's seeing that it was very much closer to the to the ennis road yeah. like and yeah, I, I, I'm not too sure like what what the crack is really with the with the whole rule changing because I know Joanne Canwell on the Sunday game was saying it doesn't have to be a clear goal scoring opportunity; it just has to be a goal scoring opportunity. But in my opinion, then in that case, then we'd have penalties left, right, and center. Mm. We'd have sim bins, you know. And I I always understood from reading online anyway, and from real reading how the the rule was I suppose supposed to be interpreted as that was a clear goal scoring opportunity, but it does seem mm. to be. I don't know. Different refs seem to have their their different minds make up made up. It's a bit like the black card rule as well, where you could see, you know, maybe David Goff give you know a black card for a harsh yeah. challenge, and then you could see another ref do something else. So it does seem to be whatever whatever way the referee kind of interpret interpretates the rule, I suppose. Yeah, and then you know, potentially just uh, as a scenario, you could have a a team, you know, who are need a goal in the last the last puck of the ball. They put everyone forward. Everyone is back. The puck goes wrong when the attacking team gets it, and suddenly he's got 80 yards, 100 yards of the pitch in front of him with nobody left. If he's taken down in his own 21 with nobody in front of him, does that count as a penalty to the end, you know, 100 yards away? Like, it's literally, mm. if it's if it's not a clear goal scoring opportunity, you're open to any interpretation. If James Owens is given that one at the sideline yesterday, what's stopping the next referee giving one, you know, for Tony or, you know, someone's bursting through, Tony Kelly's bursting through on goal from the halfway line? He potentially could score a goal from it because he's Tony Kelly. He can do pretty much anything. Do you give him a penalty when he's fouled anywhere between the halfway line and the goals because he's that quick and he could easily flick the ball past five or six players and bury it? It's it's pure it's pure judgment. Um, it makes no sense. I don't get it. I don't get it all. I didn't get that decision yesterday. I don't think anybody really did. And I think anyone online who was trying to defend James Owens is just trying to do it just for just have two sides to an argument. It's the most so it's one-sided argument decision I think I've seen um, this season that probably won't see anything, anything worse than that. That was the worst decision I've seen by a long way. Um, there was a couple of other, you know, non-interesting ones over the last day or two as well. Like there was one in the Longford match as well, which I was kind of going, well, how is that not a penalty and something else as well? But, you know, it's if it's up to interpretation, you're going to get wild decisions and we're going to be talking about them instead of talking about, you know, lads who scored 110 or 112 or whatever it is to score in a match, we're going to be talking about refereeing decisions, which is, although it's interesting, it's not, you know, it takes away from the, the glory of, of the players as well. So, Yeah, like I think maybe the, the people who are probably defending the, the referee must have just been staunch Tipperary supporters. Like that's the only two ways yeah. <laughs> I can I can look at it. And like I've, I've strong family in, uh, in in Tipperary, like strong hurling routes down there. So I often tend to kind of cheer for Tipperary, like especially mm. in, in these games. But I don't think you can you can have any complaints there. Like 100% shouldn't have been a, a penalty in any way. Like definitely a, a yellow card, maybe a sin bin. But I think the double jeopardy mm. rule seems to be the, the issue. Like and even at the end of the game, as well like you had Aaron Shanahan who was who was dragged down yeah. by, by Barry yeah. Efferin like that that looked like a blatant penalty as well I know some people were, to, were defending it and saying maybe Shanahan brought him down but that looked like a, a blatant penalty as well yeah at least though if you're going to like you could at least the fact the umpires are there beside you you could have at least mm -hmm. stopped the game and got in and asked him like he'd no qualms about giving a penalty on the sideline basically almost in the stand 
but yet something quite dramatic, you know, almost in the small square, two umpires nearby. It was it would have been quite easy just to wait once the ball, you know, even stop the game or wait till the ball's out and just go, lads, did you see anything? Like there was nothing said about that one. And that looked it looked pretty clear in real time, you know. We obviously don't have the benefit we had the benefit of the replays at home, but it looked it looked pretty clear that it should have been a penalty and they were outscored two four to two points or whatever it was in that you know space of time with the with the man gone. So it really killed the game. It it destroyed the whole game really because up until then, like I, I thought Tip would I kind of thought Tip would walk it in many ways. And it just it kept getting close and then it was one ten apiece, then it was one eleven apiece, and then suddenly suddenly it kind of felt like, oh well Tip are gonna stroll this now, you know. Um they could afford to hit plenty of wides. They hit a few bad balls in as well into the forwards. They still kind of strolled through it in the end, and it was a pity because it had the makings of an absolute classic game. And in the end, it was it's destroyed by one decision or two decisions, maybe. So, yeah, the momentum definitely definitely spun all right. Like what you said, like Tip mm-hmm. outscored Clare two four to one in that ten yeah. minute spell when when Aidan McCarthy was in the sin bin. And I suppose looking at the result itself, because obviously there there was still a game that that took place despite all the the madness of the of the refereeing decisions and. I suppose for Tipperary, like they 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 can come out of the game and they probably weren't at 100. Like they probably weren't at their absolute best. But I suppose they'll go into the Limerick game with a bit of confidence, knowing they're back in a, a monster final and that they've come through this game. I suppose without being at their absolute best, and I suppose got a bit of help from the the referee along the way. Yeah, it'll be. It probably will. I would say be the game of the season. Really, um, it's very hard to see. You know, Galway were so poor against Dublin. Now, Dublin, in fairness to them, were very good, but you have to think Munster Hurling is still very much where it's at in terms of the games you want. Tipia yeah, will go into that game knowing there's at least two, three more gears left in them. Forwards shooting was pretty good, in fairness, but probably still could have been stronger. Um, they had uh, was Ivor, Ivor Quilligan, who they're up or the keeper anyway, like you know, making saves some pretty cracking saves. And again, they get totally overlooked. Like there's not a mention of those saves. Um, yeah. Today, it's all just about the referee. Like there were some, you know, one he made with his foot as well and one that was bobbling in front of him. Like you don't talk about any of those. So um, I, I think tip, I, I hate making predictions because all my predictions have been shocking this year, like a lot of people, but I'd like to think tip will be there, thereabouts at Limerick. I think Limerick though also have plenty to give, like plenty more gears to go. They're kind of, they're probably strolling in some ways, I suppose, um, in terms of their old standard as they set. And what it could come down to the fact that they're such a physical, muscular, tall, strong team that you'd be you'd be just kind of wary for tip of whether they have enough in the tank to actually beat them. But I'd like to think that it would be, especially with a few fans in the stadium as well. Jesus, the difference it made at the weekend was was outrageous. Um, just hearing a few screams here and there, like that wasn't just one person on a bench, you know, actually hearing like, 100 or 200 voices screaming even the booing at the end is what you hate to see it i was like jesus great like there's people here you know to actually boo so i i think all that adds to it i think the fans certainly will make a difference as well yeah like even in the wexford kilkenny game as well like the atmosphere there looked you know brilliant like and you can tell that the atmosphere just plays into hurl and it plays into the flow of the game and the way the game moves and the way possession is recycled and chances are created and like what you said there like yeah Quilligan made a, a number of good saves as well like I remember mm. Shamey Callan had a couple of chances and yeah. Jason Ford as well like and I suppose for Clare they just kind of ran out of steam a little bit I felt anyway in the in the second half I suppose with a few 
wides that you probably wouldn't normally see from the likes of your Tony Kellys and you know a few of the other a few other players as well. Like obviously they're going into the qualifiers now. It's going to be tough for them, I suppose, to to go on and potentially reach uh, you know an All Ireland semi or, or potentially go on from there. Because when you look at the teams that are in the qualifiers now, it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, I suppose. Um, at least I suppose in one way they have the benefit of it. Uh, um, the fact that footballers have have not seen, you know, a lot of a lot of teams who you know prepared for so long to get one seventy minute game and then that's it, good luck. Whereas at least Clare have the have the opportunity to get back into it. I don't think Brian Lowen really was uh, too enamoured kind of a full time yesterday by talking about the back door or any of that. But when they regroup and regather and forget about what happened, they'll see that there's an opportunity there and something to build on. And maybe it mightn't be the worst thing that they get a back door game, you know. It could be it could be someone that they're well able to take on and well able to beat, and it might just be a case of hopefully it doesn't come down to it, but it could be like a shooting practice kind of thing for them where they maybe just need to to beat someone quite convincingly just to sort of put their name out there again. But yeah, of course they'd rather they'd rather not be in that situation. Of course, neither would tip either, but at least they have the benefit of it in some ways, which I think as they often say in the back door, it kind of stands to you to have a bit more practice under your belt especially the last year and a half having had so so few games overall that it mightn't be the worst thing for them they might reappear again in the last four but I think a final is pushing it maybe for them a little bit unless they really up their game and there is I still think there's too much of an over-reliance on Tony Kelly Kelly to do everything so yeah I don't see them being in the final um sorry to my family down in Clare but I just don't see that happening so yeah, like uh, I'll definitely be tough for them, all right. Like especially when you look at the the, the route, like having to to go all the way from here will definitely be tough. I suppose Cork and Limerick, like we'll touch on that game. Obviously, Limerick won that two twenty two to one seventeen. I suppose not perfect from Limerick, but they got the job done anyway. And I suppose in the most Limerick fashion, when you look back at Limerick over the past couple of years, where they haven't always been at their best, but they do enough to to get the job done. Yeah, it's probably cases was for them of maybe. John Kiley not wanting to show his hand too much, especially going in as, you know, the red hot favourites and maybe just not wanting to give too much away. Um, sort of got through, as you said, got through what they needed to do. Pete Cork sort of put them away handily enough in the end in some ways. The scoreline mightn't reflect it, but it was kind of a, what do you say, second, third gear performance really, if even, whereas Cork were in some ways, sometimes in the game, they were looked like they were breaking their backs to try and even get the ball back and Limerick were just quite happy poking it around Halfbacks are so dominant for Limerick. Um, you have to you have to feel that it's going to be a team who are well able to shoot from long range that are going to beat them because Limerick are not you know not going to concede too many goals by the looks of it. You know the fact that Kyle Hayes and them at the back and just stroll forward and knock over points and score goals it's kind of terrifying for a lot of teams you know who can't do that. So and yet at the same time they're just these absolute six foot plus warriors who can just stand there and just be a brick wall so yeah it's kind of job done for Limerick um so far whether anyone will beat them or not I don't know but you'd like to think Tip would give them <clears throat> give them a rattle at least maybe just let them know that there is others there um I was hoping I suppose I was hoping Goldie would do something and maybe set up some kind of interesting showdown didn't think Kilkenny would come true kind of the way they did so there's certainly hope for the hurling that it won't just be a a Limerick dominance, but at the same time, someone's going to have to seriously, you know, physically kind of up their game more than anything else. And maybe if you get a, a long range shooter or two, you know, out of the pack to try and uh, try and score because they're certainly not going to run through them anyway. 
Yeah, like I think the most impressive thing about Limerick, like from from watching them myself, is that like I think with a lot of teams in hurling, like they can at times be maybe over reliant on their on their sharpshooter, like maybe Corker with Patrick Horgan, although not too much yeah. this year, but you know, Claire with Tony Kelly, Galway with Joe Cannon, but with Limerick, even like when Aaron Galan maybe has like a bit of an off day, Grode Hegarty will will step up and Keen Lynch will step up and Kyle Hayes. And then you've got mm. Shamie Flanagan in there as well, who, who's been a, a top hurler over the past couple of years as well for Limerick. Like, I suppose Wick always defeat. I mean, it looks like Limerick are probably going to be clear favourites. I mean, I fancied Galway to to win the All-Ireland in all honesty, and that, that prediction's mm. probably been uh, blown wide open, unfortunately. Well, actually, for myself as a Dublin fan, I'm quite happy about it. But for, <laughs> for, for Limerick, I suppose, they're, they're looking like the clear favourites. Like, there's probably probably no two ways about it at this point. Yeah, um goalism was was a surprise. Like there's no buzz way about it. Um I I did say Kilkenny, funnily enough, that was my pick with some of the lads on on the WhatsApp and they they were a little bit surprised at me choosing Kilkenny. I just I just thought maybe that there's something in them. Um very, very good game yesterday. And again we're talking about referees like Fergal Horgan let that game run and it turned into an absolute belter of a game. You know, he didn't stop it for everything and Anthony just sort of let it run. And I think as someone was saying online, it's kind of the fact that he um a bit more experience himself as a hurler that maybe maybe kind of stood to the game, having him in charge. You know, would would James Owens have given have given a penalty on the sideline of Crow Park in the same way? Um it's hard to know. But like TJ Reid knocked over was sixteen points or something yesterday and Owen Cody was was on fire. Um you know, I think he, I think he's Henry Shefflin's cousin. I could be wrong, but um, I, I don't think he's one of the actual. I think Dermot Cody is Brian's son, but Owen Cody certainly was uh was on fire. And then you know you've like Walter Welch as well, who can come on and do something as well, like big physical presence. He's been around for years, or seems like he's been around forever anyway. But I, I would like to see. I'd love to see a Kilkenny Limerick battle this year. I don't know why I picked Kilkenny. I can't really put my finger on it. And of course. Like Lee Chin got whatever 14, 15 yesterday. He could have easily knocked them out. But yeah, I still I still like Kilkenny. I think there's something about them. I'm not ruling out Dublin by any means. Um that was that was something tactically that was brilliant from Maddie Kenny yesterday. That was kind of waiting to happen. It's just kind of been building since whatever what Dublin won it many years ago. Is it seven or eight years ago or something they won it now? So it's kind of been building. Um delighted for the likes of Grace Crummy, um, Liam Rush obviously is is a man from around my my area of the school where I teach. So uh delighted to see him uh, and a few of them doing well too. And I think it was Connor Burke the man the match around midfield. And then like he was class. He kind of stood out, even though I knew nothing about him. He he stood out like a sore thumb in a great way in that game because I just thought he dominated so much. And then you yeah, think of Ronan Hayes or someone up front was um like there's not a lot of household names in that Dublin team, realistically, when you look at it. But a win like that is just enough to repel them up. And, you know, who knows what happens the next day now, whether whether they get some silver under their belt, possibly, which would be a huge step. Um, you know, it wouldn't just be the Dublin footballers. You know, you'd be talking about the hurlers now as well as as kind of household names. So I'm delighted for them. I still, not that I hope that Kenny gets to the final. I don't particularly care too much about them, but I would I would like to see them do something. Cody's been around there long enough. Um you know, to build a team from scratch. So I think this is, I think if they don't do well this year, I think he could go though as well. I think, um, you know, like a Mickey Hart type thing, I think is he's kind of coming to the end of the road with them. So yeah, I, I'd like to see someone beat Limerick, but I hard to know who it is. It could be Tip, 
it could be Kilkenny. I don't think it'll be Dublin. I don't think it'll be Galway. Um, I don't think it'll be anybody else really. It's kind of it's kind of one of the two of those. So, mm, yeah, like and and speaking of Dublin, like you were kind of mentioning there, like I mean, they 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 looked in particular like they were singing off the the same hymn sheet in in many mm. ways. Like that was the thing that kind of stood out to me the most. And I remember even speaking to to David Kyo, Dublin hurler. He's not in the the starting oh, yeah. fifteen now, but he's, he's he's on the bench. Like, but. He he was speaking to me in, in in podcast there not too long ago, and he was talking a bit about like the unity and and working together and and kind of singing off the same hymn sheet and all working towards the one goal. And I thought this was very evident here because the way they pressed Galway at different times as well, and the way they defended as well with the likes of Owen O'Donnell and and Dara Gray, like probably arguably have the best defense in the in the country. Maybe certainly probably don't have it going forward, but certainly defensively anyway with the likes of Owen O'Donnell and and a few others there there. You know they'll, they'll certainly give whoever comes up against them. Obviously, Kilkenny next, and then after that, mm. whoever the forwards are, they'll certainly make them work for it anyways. Yeah, I suppose you mentioned the the defenders like O'Donnell and Darrow Gray, and then Smith. I think is is at the back three or something like yeah. that. But they're yeah, they're quite athletic, I suppose, for defenders. They, there's kind of a similarity in some ways between the Dublin football defenders and the hurling defenders there may not be you know I know Owen O'Donnell's a fairly you know big enough lad but they may not be you know these monster standout like Limerick looking lads but they're insanely athletic and to take down Galway the way they did you know so clinically in many ways I know Galway shooting was absolutely woeful at the best of times but they were still very very clinical in what they did defensively uh, to stop till you know Connor Cooney and Whelan and all these to kind of keep them as low a score as they kept them was quite impressive because although it's in Crow Park like Galway are, are no strangers to Crow Park like it's not like they were like overawed by this giant pitch you know like Westmead might be when we go up there that kind of thing but it should have been it should have been what everyone expected like an absolute walkover for Galway but I thought a huge credit to Dublin um, right from Alan Nolan like I, I just think he's such a he's such a good keeper and so assured like but never will probably not get mentioned at all um when it comes to unless Dublin go far like for an all-star that kind of thing it'll be like Ivor Culligan and them who'll be getting it you know for the, the few saves they made on tv or whatever still a great keeper but I just think I just think one more win would propel the Dublin hurlers up to kind of you know that level that they need to be at if you take Kenny out in Crow Park like you're assured of some sort of heroic status for the future anyway. So yeah, they're definitely assured. Um, as I said, I'd love to know a bit more. I'd love to see a bit more of them because the likes of Burke and Hayes and them very new to me, didn't know a lot about them um, until the weekend when suddenly I was like, who the hell is this lad, you know, banging in one three and who's this lad dominating midfield? Like it doesn't, didn't come about overnight. Um, it's just hopefully now that it, it sticks and they just push on from it. Yeah, like because I know when, when Eamon Dillon obviously he had an injury, and I think Dublin were were hitting a lot of long balls up to him a lot mm. of the time, and I think maybe his injury in a weird way has actually potentially helped Dublin because they brought in Keane Boland and, and Ronan Hayes. I suppose for Galway, like I mean, like where where do you think it went wrong for for Galway on the day? I mean, I feel like it, I feel like they were a bit arrogant in many ways the way they were going for goals so early on, and mm. I feel I don't know if they really like respected Dublin and kind of seen that they were a challenge I think maybe they kind of went into this and think you know we're probably going to win you know win this quite comfortably what do you think yeah I think uh, <clears throat> Canning's early attempt at goal like down the canal end or whatever it was that mightn't have been the best thing just to, to like 
to do in general because it's kind of like as you said it was almost insulting to Dublin it was like well look I can look what I can do you know from so far out I'll just I'll just rattle you and put you away by half time and then Alan Nolan obviously made a few great saves few crack at saves and then suddenly they kind of realized especially with Joe out around midfield as well they kind of realized oh, we're not really hitting it up front that well our long range isn't working that well either and Dublin just sort of took them apart as they needed to um to the best of their abilities the shooting I thought was pretty yeah, not so much even the shooting like the, the choices that they made usually they're kind of they're usually a bit like the Dublin footballers in some way they kind of work and get the space that they need and then you'll see you know Connor Whelan will will have the ball out in front of him as he's running like lining up the target you know lining up the angle and there wasn't a lot of that and the fact that I don't know maybe was there something the fact that what Joe kind of needed 11 points or something to break the all-time record was there something behind that that Dublin were just motivated to like stop him and just make sure that he wasn't, you know, it didn't go down the record books against Dublin, that kind of thing. There was just a very, there was tenacity about Dublin that Galway normally would bring against, probably the wrong word to say, but against the biggest teams, which maybe they thought wasn't Dublin. Yesterday they might have just thought, oh, look up to Crow Park, let's do the job. And maybe they had their the one eye on the next day, um, which is, you know, Magic mistake to make in sport. Never mind, Justin Hurl never never underestimated a team anywhere, but they really did. They didn't give didn't give Dublin any respect. And the penalty attempt, the goal attempt, I should say, early on, kind of shows that they really they were just had to kill them and have the job done by halftime. Take off all the good lads, put them in cotton wool till the play Kilkenny or Wexford, wherever it was, and yeah, backfired on them pretty miserably. Um, which for Hurl, I suppose, in some ways, was no harm. Um, and for the spectator, for the neutral, it was absolutely quality <laughs> yeah like we all we all kind of love to see a bit of a surprise upset here and there mm. and a bit of a surprise and a bit of a shock and I think that's why a lot of people probably enjoyed watching Antrim a lot of the time in the in the league mm. this year for causing one or two surprises I suppose yeah. next up for for Dublin would be Kilkenny obviously after and like what you were saying earlier like they were so efficient and in, in that eight point win over Wexford like after extra time like I seen they'd 78 percent accuracy in terms of their mm. shooting I mean like with Kilkenny and, and Brian Cody, like they've, they've been a team that's kind of been up and coming with some of the new lads coming into the team, like the likes of your own Cody's and your Adrian Mullins and, and whatnot. And obviously you still have experience in there, like TJ Reid. Like they, they could very well go on, like playing Dublin, like with all due respect to Dublin, they'll be happier they're playing them than Galway. Mm. So I suppose for Brian Cody, if they win back-to-back Leinster titles, I mean, they could very well go, you know, they were last team to beat Limerick as well, of course, in 2019 mm. in, the, in the championship. So Kilkenny could very well be the team to to go on and, and potentially win the All-Ireland this year. Yeah, it would be it would be such a Brian Cody thing to do, wouldn't it, as well, if they did win it. Um, you know, it's like everyone's kind of written him off. He's been around, you know, forever. They've kind of said, oh, this team, you know, is not going anywhere. If they don't have TJ Reid, they're kind of nobody. Um and it would just be typical of Cody just to literally turn around and win the All-Ireland then and just shoot everybody up. Mm. Um, yeah, the the guys coming through on Cody was is kind of one of the ones I think really that has stood out. Um, it's just it's so much skill, so much speed. Like I think he won something yesterday. I can't remember exactly what he scored. I feel a bit sorry for Wexford in some ways. Like it was such a classic game. And to come out on the wrong side of it the way they did after extra time was kind of frustrating for them I thought they deserved a bit more out of it but that's you know standard Cody standard Kilkenny like you know we will not lie down until the final whistle goes and the game had everything like drama even up to the debate over how many subs have been made you know like it, it literally had everything so you couldn't have asked for much more as a game 
I still, I don't know, I've said already, I, there's something about Kilkenny, I don't know what it is, I can't put my finger on it to just, they're the kind of like, you know, annoying person who just won't go away, you know, or that person who just want to kick out of the WhatsApp group and they just won't leave, you know, I, they could still be there at the end of the year. It wouldn't surprise me in some ways if they got to the honor in a final, um, probably likely to be, you know, if it was Limerick or whoever it is to be playing, but they'll meet Limerick, I'd say somewhere along the way. I don't think they'll make the same mistake that Galway did. I think Bodie is clever enough and experienced enough to know that, um, you know, Dublin will will still come out the next day. Dublin will obviously be, you know, pretty wrecked from the effort they put in, likewise Kilkenny. But I think I think Cody will offer Matty Kenny a bit more respect. You know, I think the two of them know each other long enough now in the hurling circles to to not give each other a bit of respect. Um, I. I hope Kilkenny don't run away with it. I could see it being, <clears throat> you know, DJ Ree kind of 16, 17 freeze kind of game. I hope it doesn't turn into that. It could very easily, but hopefully it doesn't. So, yeah, like, and the, the worry as well is obviously Owen O'Donnell, who's, um, you know, obviously we were speaking about earlier, like yeah. he picked up a big injury towards the end yeah. of the Dublin game. And he's actually done a great job on TJ Ree the last few mm. times he's marked him. So, not having him in the team, I think will will probably give TJ Reid maybe that extra step he needs as well to, to to dominate a bit more. So that would probably be a bit be a bit of a worry for myself anyway as a as a Dublin fan. Like what you said with Wexford there, like you have to feel a bit sorry for them, like especially at the end of the game as well, where Liam Ryan hit that um you know shot from about 40, 50 yeah. yards. It looks like it doesn't go over. I think it looked like it hit the crossbar. Yeah. Comes back to Rory O'Connor, deflects in off the goalkeeper in the end, Owen Murphy, and eventually goes back to Hawkeye and, and it's not given. Like there's not too many situations, I think, where a player, you know, do, you know, the, the I think even some of the fans were a bit confused because when it came up on, on the screen and, and it was the tick, it's like, do we celebrate? Do we not celebrate? Because the Wexford fans wanted the the X to come Ooh. up instead. Like it was uh, yeah. it was a mad situation. Yes, um, it's an interesting one I was reading. Like, what, what would you, what would you have done if that happened outside of a, a stadium with Hawkeye? Like <laughs> in a different in a different scenario, Wexford are playing, you know, in the in the Leinster final and not Kilkenny. Like, and it's uh, it's just I suppose the nature the nature of the stadium that you're in, and you want to play in Crow Park, and just if if anything, that's something that went against them being in Crow Park. Probably the only thing that would ever go against you being in Crow Park, apart from the white pitch, but. Um, it certainly went against him. It was very strange. At first, I know when I saw it in real time, I kind of went, that looked like it went over the bar. But, you know, we'd obviously the benefit of seeing on the TV screen at that angle. If you're in the stadium and you're the far side, you're going, and you're a Wexford fan, you're thinking like happy days. And then, as you said, yeah, I remember on the watching the TV and the, the tall came up and I was like, I can't, can't tell if it's Wexford fans cheering or Kenny fans cheering because I don't think anyone really has a clue what's actually going on. So I think it's a... It's a pretty unique one. I, I'm sure it has happened somewhere before, but uh, it doesn't doesn't come into my memory of having actually seen it like that before. Um, I know I've seen it with football before, where it's hit the back stanchion and come out, and umpires have missed it, that kind of thing. But I've never I've never seen the ball go over the bar and then go into the net and then be disallowed as a goal and given as a point. So yeah, I certainly feel sorry for them. But at the end of it, like it was the correct decision. Um, unlike another refereeing decision that we've mentioned already, it was actually the correct one. And Orgel Horgan did his job correct. Like he stopped the game, went into the umpires. Like he did what he had to do. You know, it, there's, there was no, you know, oh my God, Russian panic. And he just very calmly went in, sorted it out, called for Hawkeye and that's it. So yeah, you feel sorry for Wexford, but you know, as I said, it's Cody gets the rub of the green sometimes. And uh, 
I said, if it was in any, any other stadium in Ireland with no Hawkeye, he would have uh, he, he would have probably knocked at the rub of the green. It's just just the way it went from, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I remember there was a situation I think involving Tipperary. I think, and it might have been Wexford as well, where I remember sure. there was a, a point that went over the bar, and it was it was similar again. And then I think the other team mm. went down the other end and scored. I can't remember the game, so maybe someone watching can can let us know in the comments down yeah. below. But I suppose moving on from that, we'll we'll run through some of the John Patuna Cup games, and obviously your own county, Westmead, mm. a big five point win for yourselves over Carlo. Um, and I suppose with Kildare up next, like you must be feeling confident enough anyway that you'll get to the the John McDonough Cup final after that victory. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. It was um, it was great for us in some ways after complaining about all the the murderings we took in the league. Um, it was kind of nice that maybe it stood to us a little bit. The fact we were we were a couple of points down, I think, with six or seven or eight minutes left, and in the end we won very clinically. Um, which maybe might have happened if we hadn't, you know, taken on you know the bigger teams down here in Mullingar. So I was delighted for delighted for the forwards in particular because obviously they've been so starved of scoring over the league. You know, been whatever five thirty five against Galway and seven twenty seven against Cork. Like you know, conceding that it's it was kind of a, all the action was in one end in each half kind of thing. So I think I think all six of the Westmead starting forwards scored or five of them at least and. I think Dara Clinton or someone came on as well and scored. So for our forwards, it was a great day. Um, did feel sorry, I suppose, for Chris Nolan on the Carlo team who put in like a display that probably would have got him, you know, man the match in any other scenario, um, except he ended up on the losing team. But yeah, certainly for us, it's nice to get a win because um, a bit like the footballers as well, the season had threatened to kind of kind of run away from us a little bit. Um it was it was airing towards you know the entire county men's teams at senior level winning no games all season, and then we managed to get two in the same weekend, which is great. But um, yeah, certainly we have to think that we'd be able. You know, we've some experience against Kildare in the past. We would certainly, I would anyway, put us up there. It's been higher ranked than Kildare, so I'm hoping again that the even though it's not the greatest experience, still the the fact you played in the same pitch as some of the big ones who were challenging for, for Liam might stand to us against Kildare and we might have the same efficiency hopefully the next day as well. Yeah, like it definitely puts you in a, in a, in a great position anyway, I suppose, going into mm. that game. And obviously with the scoreline down beat Mead, 127 to 216. Um, but of course, Kerry beat down last week and they play mm. Mead on the, on the final day. So you'd, you'd have to feel with all due respect to, to Mead there that it's probably going to be Kerry that you would face in a, in a Joe McDonough Cup final if you do come past Kildare. How would you feel going into that? I mean, Kerry obviously in the Joe McDonough Cup yeah. final last year, certainly have a lot of experience in their team and they've certainly been a county mm. building towards the, the Liam McCarthy as well. Yeah, we've, uh, I can't remember exactly dates and stuff, but I know we, they've beaten us before um, on a couple of occasions, I think. And yeah, of, of all the teams that are left, it's certainly the one I'd be most wary of. Um, Either I've seen a little bit of Mead in the hurl as well. I know um, Mickey Burke, I know, still lined out for the Mead hurlers as well. Um, a good podcast guest as well. And if he's listening, no offense, Mickey, but uh, we definitely beat you. Um, but yeah, Kerry would definitely be the ones that I would be most concerned about. Um, I'd, I think I don't want to make the same maybe mistake that Galway look in the game ahead. I'd, I'd like us to. See, see what Kildare bring first, and then we probably know a bit more. I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge the lads on the league because that was just 
you know, that was a different kettle of fish completely. And I still wouldn't judge them entirely on what they did yesterday against Carlo because I think there's possibly more going forward and maybe defensively as well. Um, and I know, I know yesterday Davy Glenn didn't start as well, which I thought was a, a surprise we've given, you know, his experience and the fact he's now, you know, come from a, you know, an Ireland winning Galway side to play with us. Um, I thought it was, a, it was an unusual move in some ways, but um, clearly it paid off, you know, swapping the team around a little bit, bringing in some legs that maybe hadn't got the chance in the league. And I, I hope we have enough to beat Kildare. That's all I would say. Kerry, we can leave Kerry Meath down, down the line. I'll, I'll wait till Kildare next week because I'll be afraid to to jinx it and say we'd beat Kerry or beat Kildare if, uh, straight away. We'll take Kildare first and then see what happens then. Yeah, like Kildare, they're kind of a bit of a banana skin in many ways because yeah. they certainly did put it up to Carlo as well. Like there was only a couple of points in that game. So mm. I suppose like for Kildare in general, like and, and when you look at their their league form as well, like they'll certainly be a, a test. Like, Yeah, definitely. Uh, you mentioned banana. Yeah, I suppose like Ireland playing Cyprus in the soccer, isn't it? You know, we think <laughs> we're going to walk through them and then suddenly look what happens. So um, yeah, I, I hope that... I hope we'd have enough to get past him. No disrespect there at all, but I think we've more overall, like going back to like even, I know it's a long way back, 05 and 06, like when we were Christy ring winners against down, like I look at what we've built from there, like we have built a fairly good base of hurling in the county. Um, there's probably a lot to be said for our league campaign and the fact that, you know, we get one shot essentially against these big guns and then we're kind of turfed out again and God knows when we'll be back in again, like it doesn't, it doesn't help us in any way. But Kildare, Kerry, Meath, maybe the likes of, you know, Sligo, Kildare, Carlo, that, that is kind of our level, realistically. Getting the shot, getting the chance in the league to play against the big lads was great. Um, statistically, it wasn't great, <laughs> but uh, otherwise it was. It was nice to play against them and nice to have them here in Mullingar as well. But certainly Carlo, Kildare, down Kerry, that, that's our level. Um at the moment and we we need to to make sure that that is our level and we don't you know get beaten by Kildare and then suddenly you know we're back to the drawing board again so mm. yeah 100% definitely be be worth keeping an eye on before we do wrap up anyway I was going to ask you obviously about uh, Loaf of Bread season 2 yeah. Loaf 2 obviously going global I suppose I'll, I'll give you the floor you can uh, you can speak about it yeah it's um, something I kind of built I suppose um, last 10, 15 years of traveling to a hundred or so odd countries, like on holidays and different things and seeing cultures and people and great, you know, sport and stuff abroad as well, that the GA clubs abroad, there are so many of them that a lot of them don't get a lot of recognition. Um, you get the Middle East games, which people kind of know a lot about. We've had the RT pundits and all-stars and stuff out there. There's some clubs well-known, but then my aim was to try and give some publicity to the clubs around the world, maybe who nobody knows about, along with the ones that people do know about. So it's... um. Twice a week, every Monday and every Thursday morning, 9 a.m., there'll be a different club on and it'll be a short bit of history on the club and on the city or the country they're from. Um, a good plenty of crack and stories in the chat with the people who come on from each club um, and then a bit of a preview to the one the next day that's on as well. So it started out as a message to a few clubs, kind of one in each continent. There's now 67 clubs involved and... Today, then, yeah, O'Neill's have kind of come on board as well, offering to do a giveaway of, you know, and the jerseys from one of the international teams as well, just to promote it and promote the jerseys for the clubs because obviously it makes them a bit of money as well. But you get some amazing things like, you know, Shunday Gale is the smallest club in the world in China. You get Bermuda GA, who I went out to see years ago. My sister-in-law was part of their founding, you know, on, on a, an island that's 40 kilometres, you know, big. Um, 
Argentina GA where you meet a guy called Stevie Cartilage, Stevie Thomas Cartilage in the middle of Buenos Aires, who comes on and tells you that he's related to Morris Conn and Keen O'Callaghan. Like these are the these are the things that you find that you would never find, you know, and a lot of people don't even know these these places exist, these clubs exist. So yeah, definitely worth tuning in, anyone who's into the GA at all. It's it's never been done before in the history of the, the GA. So it's it's a new one and uh, I'm just trying my best to promote build the audience for the clubs more than anything else because it's those people who listen who will buy the jersey and support the clubs and you know we'll give them a bit of a platform to be heard so that's kind of where where it all came from but yeah definitely uh, if anyone listening wants to check it out that would be that would be fantastic yeah 100% like definitely like us like what I was saying earlier as well with a lot of different clubs like they kind of they kind of make their their own way of of making mm. it work. Like um, like I was on the J one in, in San Diego there a few years ago. I didn't play for for the club over there, but I know a few mm. lads that I was living with were playing a bit of hurling and a bit of football. And some of the stories they were coming back with as well about like different yeah. people trying to make it work. And you know, like so like sometimes over here, like if you you know you have a pitch and you try you try and make it work with cones or whatever. Like mm. sometimes like these clubs can be very creative with different ways that they make it work. Like they might not have a pitch, so maybe they'll find the beach yeah. somewhere or they'll, <laughs> they'll they'll find different ways to make it work, which is certainly uh, quite fascinating. Yeah, you'll um if you listen to any of the episodes, number one today is with Geelong Gales out in Australia. Uh, it's actually a, a Rohini man, Johnny Johnny from uh, Rohini is out in Geelong Gales, and he was talking all about it, but um. Yeah, over the next um whatever eight nine months, twice a week, some of the stories that come out are brilliant. And then I've got you know some crack questions to ask them as well, like you know about Father Ted and choosing between Marty and Des and all that kind of thing. You know the usual stuff to to get the chats going and have a bit of crack as well. So, but um, yeah, we've every continent covered, every GA association in the world covered, right up to Lulia Gales, who are up in the North Pole of Sweden. Um, right down as far as Maris Rangers in Auckland, South Africa Gales, Argentina as far west in the world as uh, Mulholland in Los Angeles, right across to Japan GA, uh, lads in China, a couple of teams in China, Vietnam, Bermuda, Myanmar, everywhere basically, you name it, I've, I found a club, so it's going well. <laughs> 100% yeah well I'll link yeah. down the first episode down below anyway for, for anyone to check Definitely. it out and um, yeah look listen cheers anyway Jason for your time for, all. Yeah. for running through the, all, all the action in, uh, in both football and hurling yeah pleasure and thanks so much for having me on I'll, uh, I'll talk to you again soon hopefully